The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, we saw a fairly mixed day across the grain and livestock trade as we kicked off the week and looked towards the end of the month of February. Welcome to Market Talk. Thanks for joining us on the program here today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to have you along for the conversation as we take a look at what's happening in these markets and kind of a back and forth day. We started higher in soybeans, then gave up some of those uh, rallies on a very short-lived rally throughout the early morning session on Monday. But then wheat found a little support, and that helped to pull, try and pull corn and beans back to the upside as well with spot March corn trying to close above $4 after breaking below it on Friday. We no doubt have continued bearish weight in these markets. Funds continue to be at or near record short in the commodities. We're going to talk about things and get some perspective with John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing. He's going to join us for market analysis coming up here in segment three and four today. What are John's thoughts on spot corn, for instance, uh, getting below four bucks on the board? And I know basis is lower in other parts of the country, well below the board price, of course. So we're going to get some thoughts from John on how to manage things in this window and uh, what he is seeing for trends right now in the grain markets and livestock too. We of course had that cattle on feed report that came out on Friday that no doubt weighed on the cattle complex early on Monday before we saw both fats and feeders start to rally back. So we'll get some perspective from John in terms of that uh, report and how it's impacting the Cattle trade, also some thoughts at hogs as well. Kind of a mixed day there on Monday. So plenty of analysis coming your way here on Market Talk. Also, we're going to take a look at weather for the week ahead. We have a few rounds of uh, precipitation, a few different storm systems set to impact the U.S. here uh, early in the week and then later in the week and continuing into the month of March. We're going to get the latest details with Eric Snodgrass from Nutrient Ag Solutions. He's going to join us for a weather update coming up in segment two today. So. Looking forward to all that and more on the way here on Market Talk. First up, though, let's get some thoughts and market analysis from Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X. I talked to Arlen around midday on Monday, got his thoughts as to what we're seeing in this market trade and just the overall bearish weight that continues to uh, be a damper on this grain and oilseed trade. For instance, some of that back and forth action that we got in soybeans early in the day and really just the overall trend and the overall chokehold that funds have on this grain market. We talk about that first in our midday commentary conversation. We'll listen back to that right now. Here's Arlen Suderman from StoneX. Yeah, managed money holding record or near record short positions kind of across the board in the grain and oilseed sector and doing so rather quickly in the soybeans. They've been short for a long time for corn and wheat, but rather quickly in soybeans here in recent weeks. And uh, it really since it became apparent that Brazil was going to produce enough soybeans that the, the world wasn't going to have to rely more on U.S. supplies, 
And uh, we did get a little bit of a bump in soybeans earlier this morning when Ag Rural, which is a local consultancy in Brazil, lowered their production estimate to 147.7 million metric tons. But the market quickly realized that's still not enough of a drop to increase U.S. exports. And so they turned lower once again. Kansas City wheat giving kind of getting the, the nice sweet spot in the day, so to speak, uh, approaching double-digit gains as we talk, and that's largely because prices just got so cheap that we started seeing some end users come in and do maybe get a little coverage, and we started seeing the funds who had those big short positions get a little bit nervous and start covering a little bit of it, and so that's kind of the cycle we've been in of late, make new lows, get people nervous, they start buying, and then that rally gets quickly sold once again. Well, and I wonder, too, I think a lot of folks are watching these markets to see, okay, when are we going to get that final flush out to the downside here before we could start building a base, maybe trying to rally a little bit. But it just feels like fundamentally there's nothing that's indicating we're going to get that flush out here anytime soon, Harlan. Yeah, 40 years in this business, uh, it certainly has the feel that this is the final flush. Um, but we also know that things have changed a lot. It's not pit traders anymore, but computers making a lot of the trades and people behind it, billions of dollars of of managed money behind it. And the saying in the trade is, the trend is your friend. And so a lot of these computers are programmed to trade the trend and nothing has happened yet to fundamentally to force them out of that. The most likely scenario at this time would be a geopolitical risk something happening in the Black Sea and or the Red Sea, causing a short covering rally and end users quickly going in to try to get some coverage. Um, next thing on the docket, we'd be looking at a possible weather problem with their winter corn crop in Brazil, but that's that's still some weeks away before that possibility would might unfold and, and we'll see how low we might be by the time we get to that event if it were to occur. Over in the livestock trade, initially cattle futures selling off early on Monday, probably in reaction to that cattle on feed report from Friday. We're clawing back to mixed territory at midday Monday. What's your thoughts, uh, what we're seeing in that protein sector today? Yeah, rather encouraged by how the cattle market has responded to that cattle on feed report that came out Friday afternoon, basically showing on uh, placements in the month of January down about 8% from year ago levels. Well, that's pretty significant, except the market had priced in expectations of being down 12%. So initial disappointment traded for about 30 minutes, and then the market realized, wait a minute, this is still means tight supplies. Now, over the next four months or so, we're still going to be looking at marketings up about six-tenths of a percent from year-ago levels. But beyond that, it looks like we'll have a, a larger hole in the supplies again and even greater once we start holding back heifers to rebuild the breeding herd. And once again, that's comments with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stonex, joined us for our midday commentary on the day Monday. And uh, always appreciate Arlen's thoughts in the markets. Coming up this week, Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. I'm looking forward to being there, and I'm curious to see what the mood is going to be amongst uh, farmers and ranchers and attendants and industry folks with just uh, the way these markets have been drifting and pushing lower. When will the uh, when will the bleeding stop, for lack of a better term? 
And something that I'm going to be curious to hear about from folks this week. We're going to be broadcasting Market Talk Live as well on Thursday and Friday afternoon. Both days with the National Corn Growers Association will be in booth 7405 from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time on Thursday and Friday during Commodity Classic there in Houston, Texas. So if you're going to be on location, swing on by, say hi to us. Uh, while we are uh, doing the show live there with the National Corn Growers Association, I know they have some great topics lined up surrounding sustainable aviation fuel, uh, corn's relationship with things like the meat side of agriculture, the egg industry, et cetera, et cetera. We got a lot of great topics to cover, and that's again Thursday and Friday during Commodity Classic here this week in Houston, Texas, two to three p.m. Central Time in booth 7405 on the third floor of the trade show. We're also going to talk markets, of course, during the show. We got some great guests lined up in person there in Houston, Texas this week ahead as well. All right, coming up next here on Market Talk, we're going to get a rundown of the weather for the week ahead. A couple different systems for keeping an eye on. Eric Snodgrass with Nutrient Ag Solutions joins us on the way right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. information you need this is market talk now back to jesse allen well it sounds like we could have a bit of an active weather pattern here for this week ahead as we wrap up february and head into the month of march here to tell us more about it and give us the details eric snodgrass with nutrient ag solutions joins us for a look at weather eric Thanks for being with us. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at forecasts and reading things, but I, I want to hear the details from you. It sounds like we could have a, a bit of an active weather pattern kicking off here early this week. What's the latest you're seeing, Eric? Yeah, uh, you know, there's that old saying, like, March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. I think I've got four March lions for you, and one of them's going to show up early in February. Uh, the pattern is just doing finally something I've wanted to do for a while, and that is the polar branch of the jet stream is working with the subtropical. Now, what does that mean? That means two different sources of flow coming into the United States. So here's the rundown. System number one is moving over the Rockies today comes out tomorrow. It has the potential for severe weather uh, in parts of Illinois, Indiana, Michigan. Uh, maybe down into Missouri as well. And then behind it, sharp front comes through, dropping temperatures 30, 40, 50 degrees in the span of like 12 hours. Snow behind that. While all that happens, that system then moves toward the northeast. We follow up with a little weak one that comes out of Texas, goes to the southeast. Doesn't do a lot for the Corn Belt, but it moves across the southern tier of the United States, bringing in moisture. And then by Thursday, the next big dog comes in the northwest. That one's slower, progresses much slower through the midsection of the country. It races off toward Canada. And then finally, around the 5th, 6th, and 7th of March, another guy's coming in the northwest, sweeps through the same area. So the reality of it is, is these four systems are stacked up, and we need them. Why we need them is because our subsurface soil moisture in the Ohio Valley, the mid-Mississippi Valley, is still showing the problems from last fall. 
And in fact, it's showing the problems from the last four years in some places like Iowa. Now, what, what this means is we have got to get a good recharge in the next 45 days. We did okay this winter, but we need more for the next 45 days to get us up to planting so that we've got the moisture reserves so that we can go any sort of a stretch of time in summer with some drier weather and be okay in the Midwest. So I need it. I need these systems. I need us to hate the end of winter and the start of spring, which by the way, spring starts, meteorological spring starts on Friday, and we are now less than a month away from the equinox. So we're, we're there. It's, it's go time. So uh, yeah, a lot to talk about all week long about the weather, but the net effect of all of it needs to be recharge the soil moisture and do as little damage as possible on the severe weather side of it. Because I think to your point, obviously recharging that soil moisture so critical as we get to planting season and, and you know looking ahead to that spring outlook as we've talked about before we get to that certain window we don't want it to be rainy and stormy we want to have an opportunity to get in the field and put a crop in the ground right eric that's right so the good news is right now my march outlooks which i'm using all of my historical analog years that have el ninos and i've now compared it to the newest data from the cpc the european model I think we are on the wetter side of average coming from the Southwest and Northeast. That's good. We need to get the moisture in place. I mean, I hate to say it, Jesse, I can't remember if I told you this last week or the week before, but I would love it if we get a good slow moving March blizzard. I mean, man, bring us one in before, before mm -hmm. we need it, you know, but soak us with that snow. That's got a bunch of water in it. That'd be fantastic. I do see an active March. Now El Nino is still in the background and it's, Speed it, uh, excuse me, speed at which it fades, I try to get that out, is really important to understanding when the pattern might shift around in April. Now, normally this time of year, I'm, I'm just preaching and hollering tight windows, tight windows, tight windows. If we use El Nino as our kind of benchmark for what April could bring, I actually don't see as tight of windows as I've worried about in the past, which means I think they'll open up, we'll get a crop in going. But here's the question, Jesse. Everyone's just staring down in the Midwest, a record warm February. We've only had one shot at cold air in January. December was super mild. And a lot of folks are going, I'm worried about summer being hot and dry because there's a memory of really warm springs and terrible summers. And I get it. I know why that's there. We don't know the summer pattern yet. We can't, I can make it a guess, but I can't tell you what I am expecting perfectly. But I do want to tell you that this is going to get a lot of folks itching to get going fast if the milder hangs around. So that's the other part of this. Big swings in temperatures this week, but we haven't broken the pattern, which is cold west warm east. So there's going to be a lot of places here that just quickly get shots of cold air, go right back over mild. Easter is at the end of March this year, right? No, it's April 1. Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be a lot of folks just thinking, how do I get going as fast as possible? And with the mild conditions, I mean, I, I was outside yesterday in shorts and t-shirt here in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, it's very, very mild. So it's a lot. Don't hear me rambling. Hear me telling you, I think that the temperature pattern is going to determine the pace at which we plant this crop more than the precipitation. That's my end, my end story there. Okay. All right. That's a, that's a good <laughs> thing to keep in mind. No, hey, hey, you know what? Good thing to keep in mind for sure. Yeah. I, I want to back up just a second real quick because I, I just had this thought come into my head as you talk about how warm it has been you know in mm -hmm. recent years we've seen some fairly substantial severe weather outbreaks in parts of the country you know in january february etc and you mentioned maybe some severe weather this week i mean are we looking at a, a potentially large severe weather outbreak here eric 
Well, the system on Tuesday has perked up a lot of our ears. I'm worried about what it could do across Northern Illinois, Indiana, Michigan. But the overall sentiment in the atmosphere is we're bringing systems through. And we're at the time of year. Spring is a time of overturning. It's where the atmosphere stays really cold aloft and really warm at the surface. That's the perfect setup. My concern about the severe weather season this year is elevated in the Midwest. Now, do I think we'll have a repeat of March 31st last year? Remember, those 188 tornadoes in a single day. I, you know, No one can predict that out this far. But I don't have a reason to tell you that this spring is going to be slow in terms of severe weather activity. So I think that uh, this is going to be, I think it's going to be a quite active spring overall. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Let's move to South America. I've been seeing some private crop estimates get lowered in Brazil and Argentina here in recent days. But that weather looks overall fairly good across Brazil and Argentina, it would seem, if if one's just taking a quick glance at, at the forecast. So what are you seeing in terms of the weather forecast here moving forward as we're continuing to work through uh, their growing season? It's drier for most of Brazil. Only wetter spots are in northeast Brazil and then also in uh, northern Argentina, parts of very southern Brazil like Rio Grande do Sul. Those are only wet spots. So what I'm concerned about is, okay, if the private estimates keep coming in lower and lower, are they low enough to generate a reaction? And the general consensus I hear is you need to be down there below like 143 on soybeans before it's going to generate a reaction in the markets. And that's not my area of expertise. That's just me listening to people that are. Um, And then the other side of it is I think that if we continue to see the pattern on repeat, that my worry is that March is not a wet month for the newly planted safrina crop for like Mato Grosso. And then on top of that, um, there's worry that we could get an early shutdown in April in Mato Grosso of the monsoon, which means the safrina crop could start to suffer, uh, not be able to hit its potential. But the tricky thing is, is I thought we were lower on acres. I keep hearing people say, no, 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 there's actually more than, than projected. We know that harvest pace in Mato Grosso was above the five-year average. Planting of safrina corn is 8% above where it was last year. I mean, so things mm-hmm. are moving. So it's going to be coming down to the timing of the March, April, and May rains for that safrina crop. But uh, soybeans, it rained in January. I, you can't argue with that. And they had some decent rains in February. So I don't know where the lowering of the estimates are coming from, unless we're just realizing the true impact of the October, November, December heat and drought. That could be it. Yeah, no, that could be it. We'll just have to see how those combines roll in South America. Eric, good stuff before we wrap it up today. Anything final you want to share or reiterate for folks as you watch the weather this week? Yeah, two things real fast. Watch El Nino, or let me watch it and tell you about it. What I mean by that is the ocean temperatures on the equatorial Pacific are still very warm. But you go down just 10, 15 meters into the ocean, and there's a lot of cold air beginning to, uh, excuse me, cold water beginning to up well. When that surfaces, it's all of a sudden going to put a blue stripe right in the middle of El Nino, and there's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to try to make some sort of major claim as to what this means. I just want to let everybody know, we've been watching this for a while. This is what happens. There's Don't let alarm bells go ringing in your ears when you see this happen over the month of March. The other thing too, Jesse, I don't ever watch the weather in Pakistan, but I'm watching the weather in Pakistan this week. <laughs> it's very cold and extremely rainy, and that's a desert, which means we're going to get some rain in parts of, well, parts of Pakistan are desert. I think we're going to have to watch that pretty carefully uh, as well. Plus, China finally came out of the deep cold it was in. 
temperatures are recovering there too. So we'll have to watch all of these areas going through the rest of spring. Well, folks can find more details of weather forecast for their backyard, ag-wx.com, ag-wx.com. And you can also sign up for Eric's weekly weather newsletter there too. Eric Stongrass with Nutrient Ag Solutions. Always good to chat with you, my friend. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. See you, Jesse. All right. Once again, Eric Snodgrass with Nutrient Ag Solutions joining us for a look at the weather here today on Market Talk. Well, again, the market's uh, kind of a mixed bag to start off the week on Monday. Tried to find some green on the screen led by Kansas City Wheat. We're going to recap the market closes and talk about the trade action that we saw with John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing. He joins us next here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, we saw a bit of a rally to close out Monday's trade session across the grains and oil seeds. Kind of a mixed day in livestock as well. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to try to make sense of the early week market moves. Joining us now on Market Talk, pleased to talk with John Heimberg from Total Farm Marketing. John, good to catch up with you again here today. And as we kicked off a week, you know, I think a lot of folks went into the weekend looking at spot corn, for instance, putting a three-handle on and just wondering when would the bleeding stop in these grain markets. Well, a little bit of a turnaround on Monday, some positive things to take into Tuesday's session, but I wonder if it's more of a short-covering, slight rally possibly here that could just get sold again. I mean, you know, let's just start with your 1,000-foot picture here uh, kind of where these grain markets stand as we wrapped up Monday session, John. Yeah, you know, let's kind of enjoy the day at least for once. I mean, for basically since the month of February began, we've been higher four days on the front front month corn contracts, and two of those days were a penny or less. So it just kind of tells you how negative the selling pressure has been through the entire month. Now, fundamentals are still not friendly overall. Okay, we got to still keep that in mind, but it's nice to see some price movement here. I'm a little more concerned that this is going to be a short-term play basically because of the calendar uh, and the way things are than an actual maybe change of philosophy by the funds or wherever. You know, we saw the funds come in last week, come in with traders, 340,000 short contracts, net short contracts, taking out the record from 2019. Obviously, that was done on Tuesday, so they still sold it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday you know, into that as well. So I'm expecting that number to be kind of still even larger. You know, the biggest thing we've been going through, and it's been a big conversation with a lot of the customers I've deal with, they were dealing with basis contracts. And this is a window that they kind of, unfortunately, the, the market knew they had people, they hung them out to dry in these basis contracts, whether they go price it, you know, at this $4 or lower level, 
or roll them and take that carry on. And it really was a very similar to how we ended November with the December contract, the very exact same type of trade-off. And then when we kind of got through that period, the market took off for a couple-day rally. Kind of feels like maybe the same action could be starting here. You know, in November, we picked up 23 cents in two and a half days. Uh, today, we've already put in 12 off the low on that May contract. So we'll have to see how far this wants to go uh, in that regard. But again, still remember that the fundamentals are still not bullish based on the market here. Yeah, and that's a great perspective to take here, especially on this core market, John. Like you mentioned, a lot of folks uh, kind of caught at a, a catch-22 there with basis contracts. And you know, we're getting into the end of the month and first notice days and more. And it's it's really is a tough conversation right now in terms of folks who are still hanging on to old crop bushels. And you know, some folks might be entering that you know hang on and hope type of mentality but hope's not really a marketing strategy is it sometimes i mean you got to make some tough calls here in windows and markets like this don't you john yeah and it's a tough spot and i feel for producers that are still here i mean obviously you've had a lot of different mixed signals throughout the course of the year in terms of what this market could be doing even now i still see opinions that are you know thinking this market's going to really take off and find footing and i'm just going to stay with the fundamentals right now and where we are, look at the U.S. compared to other global prices for corn. The export market has improved good export inspections today, you know, but we're still looking at a big number going into this. Now, maybe that gets changed down the road. We'll see. And I'm not going to get into the debate over bushels and production and acreage. But right now, here's the number we're working with. And what do we have to do in the short term? You know, if we get a little run in the market, does that give you an opportunity to get some bushels priced? Yes. You know, get control of those unpriced bushels, whether it's just having a cheap put to put a floor underneath and let the market work if it wants to to the upside. You know, still, it's a, a you know, we're down here. We're at a point, though, you're starting to ask, okay, what's our downside risk? Another 50 cents, 350 window, you know, the bottom of this range from, uh, you know, back in 14, 15, 16, you know, when we dealt with that time frame there. Uh, what's the top side? Well, obviously a, a lot. So, you know, I started positioning some call strategies in more out to the summer and into the fall just to get over top of weather case. You know, there's a lot of things going on here because we, I'm looking at some value. And that's where we started working some of those strategies this week. But at the same time, we're still having those conversations, get a control on price bushels. And the one thing I've been telling guys, you get a price window that works for you, sell a chunk not a little bit, you know, get things moving. And then we can find ways to shift the risk around using the different tools that are available to you, whether it's through me, through the elevator or whoever else. I want to talk new crop in a second, but I want to ask about soybeans first. In terms of this soybean market right now, you know, especially looking at front month contracts, are, are you concerned we have more downside risk in soybeans as well, John? Uh, very much so. You know, I'm just, the, the bean market still has me very, very nervous just because of the window and the time of year that we're dealing with here. You know, if you go look at basis positions, what's available from the U.S. to the export market, what's available from uh, Brazil to the export market, you know, we're looking at a solid dollar to dollar twenty-five, dollar thirty a bushel underneath U.S. prices coming out of Brazil. We saw the last three weeks of export sales dry up. We're starting to see some of those net reductions and things shifting around. You know, last week's uh, export sales were dismal. And right now there's still room in this market for this thing to continue to fall. The technical picture, even with the couple pennies higher today, is still very negative in beans. And I still think we're in a spot here. We need to get through 60, 70% of harvest nationally in Brazil. 
That'll get us a little better idea where that crop is, you know, but right now, even though supplies are, you know, may not be as big as they are expected or were expected, there's still a lot of beans moving around down there. And until that kind of gets under control, I think our bean market's still going to be under pressure here. You know, the crush expansion, everybody's counting on it. It's there, it's improving, but it's not coming fast enough to meet up for the export demand that's being lost. And that's going to keep that supply picture pretty heavy at this time frame. You know, maybe down the road. Again, I still think the South American weather, the reduced Brazil crop compared to, you know, the market was thinking 165 back at the start of this. Now it's down to 145, 150. You know, that's a lot of bushels that somewhere needs to get filled in. But realistically, that might turn into more of a summer fall story. As all of a sudden Brazil starting to run out of exportable beans, the only game in town might be the United States. And that could give us a nice lift in the harvest window. So that's kind of the area I'm targeting call strategies over anybody that's made sales. Let's get the time. Let's get the weather. Let's get into the fall and see where this Brazilian crop really is. And, and thinking too, you know, look at it, uh, new crop, these corn, kind of that 460 area, November beans, we'll call it 1130 area right now. I mean, thinking about, 24's new crop i know we have time here but is it is it an area where some folks if it pencils out right for them maybe they need to get some floors in place here just to protect against any more downside potential on, on new crop sales john yeah i i agree with you totally i'm watching this little bounce and made some communications with people today well if we can get back you know, 15 cents here, get back to 470, 475 area on December. Time to start moving a little bit. Take a look at the hedge to arise, maybe lock in the cash. Let's talk about put strategies. You know, again, I'm assuming nor normal weather until proven otherwise. And if we do come through and plan 91 million acres as USDA targeted, you know, we'll see if that comes together by the time we get to June. But, you know, we'll have to watch. And the weather is okay. You know, don't forget last year we had issues and we still had a, rec, uh, you know, strong, strong production. You know, so if the weather's good, that's going to put a lot of pressure on this market, especially come into a harvest low or a fall low. You know, so to me, it's about let's put the floor in. Let's find a way to own the potential if the market were to take off due to the weather. But at least make sure we're securing a decent move that gets us some uh, value. Okay. Again, we got to understand the difference between price and value here. You know, maybe it's not a great price, but in terms of dollars and cents, it's a bit of a value for to lock in some sales here and hope they are worse sales. But at least let's make sure we're protecting things uh, on a price move here and in this current market environment with the heavy supply picture that's forecasted to come at us. <clears throat> John, how about that wheat market trade? Kansas City wheat kind of led us to the upside on the day Monday and a fairly solid day across wheat trade. And I was looking for news to uh, explain it i heard a little chatter about weather concerns in the plains but outside of that i didn't see much it just felt like a bit of a short covering type of rally and money flow ended up being fairly good into the wheat markets on monday what's your thoughts yeah no again you go look at the kc chart today too i'm looking at the the march and the may contracts and you know, we're putting, putting some double bottoms in here. And it was nice to see the prices rally off those lows. Again, another type of a reversal, a hook reversal or a key reversal on those charts. You know, we've been kind of seeing that wheat market's really gotten a little volatile lately. We've had a couple good days, a couple really bad days. Sometimes that just tells you maybe people are getting ready to move out of that, that short position. So we'll have to watch. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking nearly 70 degrees or 60 plus here tomorrow in Wisconsin. You know, places south of us are going to be warmer and drier. Maybe just 
again, we throw a little premium into a market quickly. You know, then on top of that, then it's supposed to get bitter cold with heavy, you know, heavy temperatures or cold temperatures coming here by Wednesday for us. You know, so again, you know, the wheat market likes to try to kill off that winter wheat crop a couple times. So maybe there's some combination of fears going there that's just bringing some premium in. You know, I think don't think these markets have a lot of weather premium in them at all. Obviously, corn and soybeans have none right now at this time frame. If it does, you know, I'm not sure why, you know, before we get into the planning window. So that could be the, maybe the reason there. You know, biggest thing, though, with wheat, especially the Chicago contracts, we're watching global wheat prices. Russia still got another solid year of production coming. Their prices are, are underneath us on, on the global scale right now. And they're going to kind of drive that export market globally. You know, that's still going to be a bit of a limiting factor. But at least maybe right now, if a problem does develop, this wheat market can at least get itself rounded out here with a bottom and uh, maybe start grinding sideways, sideways to higher just because it can. Well, once again, we're having a conversation here today with John Heimberg from Total Farm Marketing, and we're going to continue that combo coming up after the break. Going to look at the livestock trade and see cattle and hog markets had a fairly okay day, especially cattle after an, an initial sell-off on Monday morning after that cattle on feed report. Again, grains finishing moderately higher. We'll take a look at some of the closing numbers coming up as well here as we continue with more on Market Talk with John Heimberg on the way right after the break. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. Now, back to Market Talk with Jesse Allen. We're having a conversation today with John Heimberg from Total Farm Marketing. John, let's look at livestock and let's start with cattle. Cattle on feed report Friday afternoon. Some saying a little negative in terms of the pre-report estimates. I know that placements number was a little bit hotter than people thought and the on feed number was up a little bit 102 percent but you know initially monday morning we sold off and then quickly snapped the market back to kind of a mixed day so it felt like overall a reaction uh, to those cattle on feed numbers was fairly muted john what's your take yeah i felt like the report was fairly neutral overall with the exception of that feeder number being a little bit higher in terms of the placements and you know the market reacted with a little bit of a you know selling pressure there of triple digit losses small ones at that but still losses uh but then the live market let's start talking those fundamentals again cash trade was higher last week choice carcasses midday 302 today so again we're seeing good demand we're seeing those the demand stay at these higher price levels you know, a $300 carcass puts a little more meat on the bone for the Packers. So this cash trade trend higher this week. You know, it feels like we got a little bit of animal spirits here, too. I just do, do think there's some retail investors stepping into the cattle market. This is my own personal opinion, no proof of it. But they're reading the headlines. I saw it multiple times again. Cattle herd 73-year low. I mean, you know, that's a good reason to buy cattle, you know, in the long run of things. So I'm still friendly to this market and, and how it's least handling things here. Still not 
you know, over the top friendly. You know, I like my call strategies that we're using or, you know, we're on the board and make sure we got some protection in. But if I'm a producer, I'm also looking at this rally we've had since December. Make sure we keep that safety valve put play back in underneath this. You know, we might hit a window where things all of a sudden do uh, slow down. I am very concerned about the U.S. consumer and demand. You know, we can see that start winding. I know the Packers are slowing the chain. So carcass weights are coming up a little bit. That brings a little more production out there, too, in terms of pounds. You know, those things are things that we have to keep an eye on going into the spring uh, in this window. So, again, keep those puts out there. I don't care if they go worthless and you're selling 180, 190, $200 cattle if we keep rallying. But, boy, it would be nice to know that I'd rather see a few bucks on the bottom side go worthless with unlimited upside with my cattle. Well, also, John, since uh, really last time we talked, uh, we've continued to watch hogs pick up some of that friendly sentiment from cattle, I think, too. And we've got some $100 numbers on summer hogs out there. So maybe not as friendly I am in the hog market, but still, this has been a really, really solid rally here and a nice floor built into this hog market, it feels like, John. Yeah, it has been. You know, I, in the last couple of weeks, I know I've not been the most positive on the hog market. Still, am not. I'm still concerned regarding the larger supplies, the pigs per litter that we saw in the last quarter, the hogs and pigs numbers. You know, those things are coming at us down the road here. You know, so again, another window, make sure we're keeping those safety valve puts underneath this market, especially in those summer months. You know, a little concerned about where we are on the global demand scale. We've had some really good weeks of pork sales and decent movement. Does that come to an end? But you got to acknowledge the things that are going on there. First off, cash index is trending nicely higher. Picked up over three bucks last week, higher again today to start the week. So we're seeing at least that trend. So the market's feeling a little more comfortable keeping those summer premiums in, even though I think that April contract, which you know down 90 cents today on the close, looks a little bit toppy with that reversal and kind of drop back on prices from Friday. Uh, so we'll kind of, or excuse me, from Thursday. So we'll have to kind of watch how things are. Maybe we're getting a little long in the tooth here in this rally since it's been going since the first of the year now. Uh, that definitely will a little more cautious to the downside if this market wants to roll over. Well, John, let's wrap it up here today. Uh, final thoughts from you. I know as well, end of the month coming in here, that can always add some uh, extra layers of volatility in these markets. Uh, but overall, big picture, what do you want folks to think about and remember here as uh, we're looking at this overall market sentiment and things they need to uh, kind of keep in mind right now, John, what would you tell folks? You know, just make sure you keep an eye on what, you know, the, the numbers and the bottom line is in here. And, you know, sometimes you got to be careful not to drink the Kool-Aid that also when we're running. I want to come diving into this thing hand over fist. The fundamentals, especially in the corn market and the soybean market, are still not friendly here. You know, I'm hoping we get a nice price recovery, dead cap bounce, whatever term you want to put by it take advantage of it somehow make sure you're securing again those unsecured bushels in terms of price keep those short-term put strategies are not expensive right now at least gives you some peace of mind you know especially if you're also dealing with rolling these basis contracts over get a floor under it you know because we could go through this again in may if you go look at last year you know we hit that that same delivery period window in april on the may contract last year we lost almost 50 cents uh, again off that May price. So there's still carry in the market. There's still supplies that are heavy. Those things are all susceptible to pushing that price lower down the road. That's why you want to make sure you at least, again, take care of those unpriced bushels here on some form, whether it's just all the money puts just to protect yourself. At least you know you got a little peace of mind if things do roll back over again. John, if folks want to reach out to you and get some advice there at Total Farm Marketing, I know a few different ways to get in touch with you. How can they get a hold of you, John? 
Give me a call, 800-334-9779. Shoot me an email, johnhtotalfarmmarketing.com. And again, that email, or excuse me, that website of ours, totalfarmmarketing.com. John, great stuff. Always good to chat with you. Thanks for joining us here today on Market Talk. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Have a great week, everybody. And once again, John Heinberg there with Total Farm Marketing joining us here on the program today. Thanks to John for the time and the thoughts. Let's take a look at some of the closing numbers real quick. March corn up seven and a quarter on Monday, 407. New crop December corn, that finished a little higher as well. It was up seven and a half at 457. March beans up three, 1136. New crop November soybeans down a half penny, 1129 and three quarters. Chicago wheat for March up three and three quarters, 577 and a quarter. July up seven, 577. March Kansas City winter wheat up 15, 583 and three quarters. July up eight and a half, 566 and a half. March spring wheat up six and three quarters, 648 and a quarter. July up five and three quarters, 657 and three quarters. Over in the livestock trade on Monday, Live cattle February up 12, 185.72. April up 20, 188.10. Feeder cattle March down 152, 253.05. April down 107, 258.90. And in hogs, April hogs down 92, 86.27. June hogs 47 higher, 99.85. And real quick over in the cotton market, we see March cotton up 165 points at 96.58 on the day on Monday. That's a recap of Monday's closing numbers. And that is all the time we have for Market Talk here today. Thanks for joining us. Coming up on tomorrow's program, we'll talk with Jacob Burks from agmarket.net live from Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Market Talk. Market Talk.